At this time, the children may be dismissed for Children's Church. Did someone burst directly through the wall towards Children's Church? Well, thank you for that song, Matt and Jan. It's beautiful. We are going to read a passage from Romans chapter 15 together. If you would find it in your Bibles or you can also follow along on the PowerPoint. This will be our passage for today. and um, It's a good passage. It's meaty. It has a lot for us. It's a pretty simple, straightforward passage as well. So if you would, if you're able, would you please stand? We stand just to remind ourselves that this is no ordinary book. This is God's word. As we read from Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written... The reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And I confess now before your people that all the power for change and for instruction and for um, your deep heart miracle ministry resides in you and you alone through your Holy Spirit, through the gospel, and through your word. Please help me now to serve your people well. Help us to receive your word. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. May our hearts be receptive. May it settle deep down into us and change us. Change how we see reality. Change how we love one another. And change how we worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So I have to tell you today about an obligation. It's an obligation that we all have as Christians. I say I have to because obligation isn't the word that everybody wants to hear when they come to church on Sunday morning. Uh, You don't, as a church, start a sermon series on obligation and create big banners out front saying, come hear about your obligations at Doolin's Grove this Sunday. But I want to submit to you that this is a good thing. Um, For one, this obligation that we have exists. It just does. Whether we are aware of it or not, we are obligated in the way that I'm about to explain to you. So your life will make a lot more sense if you're aware of the obligation and you're living to fulfill it. Your life will make more sense. Your experience in the church will be much more fruitful And it will be much better. So hang with me while I tell you about your obligation. Will you? Will you do that? Man, enthusiasm just (laughs) blows me away. Thank you. I know you're enthusiastic inside. 
That's what counts. When you became a Christian, for those in here who are Christians, when you became a Christian, for those who maybe have not yet had that switch flipped in your hearts and haven't you know, transferred all your weight onto Christ, when you do become a Christian, you assume a debt. Okay? When, when God flips that switch in your heart, when you realize that you are at the end of yourself and you need a Savior, you don't just need some good advice, you need a Savior from your sins, and you need a Lord. And when you transfer all your weight of hope and trust and faith into Jesus Christ becoming a Christian, you assume a debt, an obligation, but not to God. You might be thinking that you owe God a debt. You don't owe God the debt. Your obligation isn't to him. Your obligation is to one another. And you see this at many places throughout Scripture. Now, we're planted here in Romans 15, but I may share some of the other ones with you, depending on how the Spirit leads me. When you become a Christian, you become obligated to other Christians. That word obligated is, it comes from a legal sphere. It it really does mean a debt. You owe this to each other. Now, specifically in this passage, he's referring to the obligation that stronger Christians have toward weaker Christians. Now, we don't tend to think of Christians in terms of strength, strong Christians, weak Christians. We're all in this together. You know, Jesus ultimately was the strong one for us. We're all ultimately weak. But he's not talking about uh, moral strength or religious strength. Strong Christians are not necessarily the ones with the squeakiest clean lives. Stronger Christians aren't necessarily the most religious Christians. You know, being in church every Sunday, being involved in 12 committees, um, teaching 10 Sunday school classes, you know, running back and forth, doesn't make you necessarily a strong Christian. Remember, the Pharisees were very religious and very moral. And Jesus said they were not strong Christians at all. They were the exact opposite. So what he's talking about is not moral strength, not religious strength, faith strength. Do you remember way back when we started Romans chapter 14, when Paul began this whole topic about uh, stronger brothers loving their weaker brothers? The weaker brothers were felt constrained to the old Jewish restrictions and rituals. The stronger Christians felt free of those restrictions and rituals. Do you remember that? I mean, it may have been like 10 years ago at this point. Remember Romans chapter 14, verse 1? When he, when he first introduces this topic, he says, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him. So we're talking about strength of faith. Um, we don't quarrel over Jewish restrictions and religious practices at Dolan's Grove. I've never heard any of you around the coffee pot talking about that. But the... Um, can't think of the word I want to use. The, the, the phenomenon of weaker Christians and stronger Christians still takes place among us. So for, for us, the, the weaker side of the spectrum, we're all on the spectrum here, the weaker side of the spectrum, the Christianity of the weaker Christians is all about rules and do's and don'ts and religious practice. So down here on the weaker side of the spectrum, your Christianity is all about, did you go to church Sunday Uh, Did you follow the 91.9 Bible reading plan? Do you have a Jesus fish on your car? Those kinds of things. Okay, and then all the way over here on the stronger side, 
The strong in faith Christians are the ones who are, are so deeply changed by the gospel, the good news about what Jesus has done for them. They are so deeply freed from the sins that restrained them, from the, uh, the sense of religious duty that they were slaves to, so deeply uh, enlivened by the cleansing and the forgiveness and the justification that they've received from Christ, and so deeply called into a life of worship and service and discipleship, that Christianity for these folks is, is adventure, it's worship, it's selfless living for the benefit of others, it's uh, strategically in relationships trying to make disciples. Okay, do you see the contrast between this Christianity and this Christianity? Now, we're all somewhere on the spectrum moving toward maturity in Christ, which looks like this exciting lives of worship and service and discipleship and uh, Holy Spirit movement in our hearts. And we're all moving that direction. Okay. And the weaker brothers, we, those closer over here are obligated to those closer over here. Are you with me? Right following? Okay. All right. So I'll call people yawn in response to that question. Not reassuring at all. It's almost like two different churches. It's, it's two completely different experiences of Christ. And, and I pray that we all do move this direction. I mean, if you're, if when you think church, you think, oh, again. And if you think church and you think this, the Sunday morning thing, you may be closer down on this side of the spectrum. Now, if you think church and you think the the body of believers, your brothers and sisters, crusading together, charging the gates of hell to make disciples, to glorify God, then you're, you're moving this direction, okay? So we want to move this direction, if you didn't understand that. So you might be wondering, well, which one am I? Am I a weak Christian or am I a strong Christian? You're both. Since we're all in this trajectory together, there will always be people behind you weaker than you. Okay? You are stronger than some Christians, but there will also always be Christians stronger than you, more deeply moved by the gospel than you. And to them, you are their weaker brother. Okay? So you're both. You are the stronger brother and you are the weaker brother to two different groups of people. Does that make sense? I need some... Okay. Good. 50% of you at least are hanging with me. So we, we understand that we have an obligation to those who are behind us on the trajectory toward, you know, explosive heart Christianity. Okay, we're obligated to the weaker brothers. Now let me tell you about your obligation. Let me read to you verse 1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. So it's a twofold obligation that you have to those behind you. Bear with their failings and don't please yourself. To bear with the failings of a weaker brother means to shoulder the burden of the weaker brother. Weak Christians create weight in the church and stronger Christians are obligated to carry it. 
Okay, and this is nothing new. How many of you are older siblings? You have younger siblings? Quite a few. Okay, when you're the older sibling, you're taller, you're stronger, you understand more, and you have to bear the burden, the weight of the failings of your younger sibling. Did any of you experience this? I have some siblings in here who are looking at each other. I mean, when you were kids, now, now the playing field is even. But I don't know at our house, um, when my sweet little girl who's sitting right there needs to uh, go into a room and the light's off and she needs help and Meredith and I don't feel like getting up and doing it. We say, Elias, turn the light on for your sister. And he says, oh, again. That's the way it works in a family. The older ones watch out for the younger ones. The stronger ones watch out for the weaker ones. The, the more knowledgeable ones look out for those who haven't learned as much yet. Okay? And this is to be expected. You should expect to be looking out for shouldering the burdens for weaker, less mature Christians as a part of the church. It's just part of being in the family. So you're obligated to bear with their failings. You're obligated to not please yourself. That word please has the idea of satisfaction or um, fulfillment of expectations. Don't, don't expect everybody in the church to always satisfy you and meet your expectations. They're not going to. We're going to fail each other quite a bit because we're all at different points moving toward Christ-likeness. Weaker brothers and sisters in the church will disappoint you. They will dissatisfy you. That's just part of it. As the stronger brother, the stronger sister, you're obligated to just set aside your expectations. Just set aside your desire to be satisfied by your brothers and sisters in Christ. You're obligated to do that as a Christian. So that means, that means an end to grumbling about your weaker brothers and sisters, an end to complaining about your weaker brothers and sisters, an end to avoiding your weaker brothers and sisters, uh, an end to disregarding them as irrelevant because they're troublesome and bothersome. Did any of your older siblings ever do that to you? Just try to pretend you didn't exist so they could go about their business. More looks at each other from siblings. We're obligated to each other. We're obligated to bear with each other's failings and to not try to please ourselves. Now, Paul goes on and, and sheds some light on what this looks like in verse 2. In verse 2, he says, Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. So don't please yourselves. Please your neighbor for his good to build him up. Remember that word please means to satisfy, to fulfill expectations. Do what you can to satisfy and fulfill the expectations of those around you. That's what neighbor means. It's, it's the transition from trying to extract your expectations from people and instead trying to, to please them. And it's a big change. It's a big shift in our mindset toward each other. Instead of looking at each other and expecting certain things, certain treatment, certain maturity, just toss all the expectations out and serve them, please them. Let 
Let us each please his neighbor for his good to build him up. So when we're trying to serve and please our neighbor, we need to do so with discernment. We need to relate to each other for each other's good in an order to build each other up, to benefit and to build. Let, it's two B's, so that should be easy to remember. As you look at each other, just remember the two B's. I'm here to benefit you and I'm here to build you up. Benefit and build. That is why I am here for you. That is why you are here for everybody around you. To benefit them and to build them up. Have you ever been tempted to say to God, maybe not, maybe this is too harsh, but that you don't want to be a part of all this. There's too many weaklings. There's too many messed up people. If you ever do, if you ever go to God in prayer and say, I'm just, I can't do it anymore. There's too many weak people at Doolin's Grove, too many sinful people. They should be further along than they are. God will look back at you and say, I know, go get to work. That's why we're here for each other. To benefit and build each other up. And this isn't written to the pros. This isn't written to the tie-wearing Pastors, this is written to the church. Normal folks. So some practical ideas about how maybe to do this. Uh, if there's someone is coming to your mind now that has felt to you like a, a little brother, a little sister, just kind of frustrating or bothersome, creating extra weight for you, benefit them, build them up through praying for them. Just pray for them. Be an example to them. Try to be an example to those behind you on the trajectory toward Christ-likeness. How you use your words toward them. Try to encourage them. Try to speak truth and grace into their ears. Your time. Don't, don't withdraw your time from them if they're, wanting, if they're wanting time with you. Spend time with them. Build relationships. Some of you, this may sound completely irrelevant because you don't even have any relationships in the church, really. You're like, weaker brother, stronger brother. I don't even know anybody, really. I leave here on Sunday, and I don't see anybody again until next Sunday. Maybe for you, you just need to pursue some relationships with people in your church. So maybe others of you are experiencing this, and you feel like this is really hard. You don't understand how frustrating this individual or these people can be. Well, there's some resources for us to enable us to do this. Look with me in your Bibles or on the screen at verses 3 and 4. Verses 3 and 4. There you go. For Christ, these are our resources to do this, to fulfill our obligation. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written... The reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So he's going to give us three resources to, uh, to fulfill our obligation to each other. The first one is Jesus' example. In verse 3, For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Now, if there was ever anybody in the history of the world who had every right to have expectations of people and to please himself, 
it was Jesus Christ. He never sinned. He didn't have any failings of weakness. And yet he didn't please himself. Who are we to be pleasing ourselves? Instead of pleasing himself, as it is written, he says, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. He didn't just bear our weaknesses. He bore our reproaches. Reproach means insult with intent to harm. Okay, so all of our sin, all of our living apart from God reproaches God. And Jesus willingly took on all those reproaches, all those insults uh, with intent to harm. So we follow this man, Jesus Christ, who didn't please himself, who took on this incredible weight on the cross for all of our sins. Surely, as his followers, we can set aside pleasing ourselves and take on the weight of weakness from our younger brothers and sisters in Christ. Another resource is Scripture. Look at verse 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. It may require endurance to be part of a church, to be in the midst of this mess of people whom Christ is working in. It may require endurance and encouragement and hope and is found in the scriptures. So the more rooted you are deep down in the scriptures, the more encouraged you are, the more you can endure and the deeper your hope is and the better you're able to bear with the failings of those weaker than you and to not please yourself. And finally, the third resource you see in verse, verses 5 through 6. He transitions here after he talks about Scripture. He transitions into sort of a prayer. Just in mid-flow of thought. He says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I think the fact that Paul, as his Holy Spirit-inspired mind is writing this scripture, spontaneously transitions into prayer right now, reflects our need for supernatural work in our hearts in order to respond appropriately to this scripture. I think we forget that this whole thing that we're doing is supernatural. This is not just... Matt Broadway, some 30-year-old guy giving you his advice. This is the God of the universe who created everything speaking to us through his word, giving us his Holy Spirit to enable us to understand it and to respond to it, giving us his gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to free us from our sins and transform us into new creatures. It's all miracle stuff, supernatural stuff. So, I think it is appropriate for us at this point when Paul does for me to just stop talking. Some of you are like, yes, I think that's appropriate too. I think it's appropriate for me to stop preaching and for us to pray. Because if we are going to become the church, if we are going to become Christ-like in how selflessly loving we are toward each other, it's going to be supernatural. So, 
I've asked Jan to play quietly. In your bulletin, in, in your discussion starter insert, I've retyped Paul's prayer as a prayer that you can pray directly to God. You'll find it on the front page of that if you want to use that. Jan's going to play quietly, and we're just going to have a few minutes to pray this scriptural prayer. And when you pray scriptural prayers, you can have a lot of confidence that God is going to answer it. Okay, Jan, if you would play for us. If you will, bow your heads, and we're just going to spend another little portion of time in prayer together, asking God to do this in our church. You are the God of endurance and encouragement. Please grant us to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together we may with one voice glorify you the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen.